welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for round one of the A-League women's. We are back, baby. 22 whole rounds of dub have, you know, that's what we've got to look forward to. We've already had one and it really delivered. The dub really do be dubbing. So that means we have plenty to talk about today and we absolutely can't wait to crack in. Before we do though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and Sam Lewis. So let's begin, friends with some you love to see it because it's been a while since we've done that but there's always things we love to see so Harrow, do you want to kick us off with a you love to see it i do um i was at the home of the matildas yesterday when brisbane raw um very much upset melbourne victory um but i think the talking point of that was the opening goal for brisbane which really lovely run by Sean Freyer puts in the ball and rushing in with this perfectly timed run into the box and a lovely first-time finish. Um, 16-year-old um, Grace uh, Quilamu. Uh, Grace Quilamu, the 16-year-old for Brisbane Raw, just buried this goal. It gave Lydia Williams absolutely no chance. Um, it was an A-League women debut. Um, she juggles training with school. Um, talking to Gareth McPherson after the game, he, couldn't, he basically said that she trained so well that they couldn't leave her out of the squad. Like you want to be so careful with young players, but they just had no choice really but to play her with the way she's going. And he was like, the best thing about her is like she doesn't even really know like what a like what a big deal it is and how impressive that is. She's just out the back there eating a sandwich, probably thinking about school tomorrow. Uh, apparently it's just the humblest kid. And um, apparently the common side at Brisbane Raw training is their American recruits have uh, taken it upon themselves to – to be effectively the the taxis to and from school, Brisbane Raw train in the morning. So they'll, she'll do one of the sessions and then the American recruits will drop her off at school and then pick her up later on to do her other session later on. So apparently it's quite a common sight where you see it um, arrive at, sorry, leave Brisbane Raw training in her school uniform, off to school, comes back and then uh, back to Raw. So uh, yeah, a 16-year-old scoring um, in her first appearance in the dub. Love to see it. I want a T-shirt of her with, like, sunglasses and a sandwich in one hand, arms crossed, leaning against a wall, just like, yeah, what of it? I'm cooler than you, you know? Like, that's the merch I want. That is the merch I want. But, Angela, what did you love to see this week? I love to see Melina Ayres opening the account for the Jets in – it's not the inaugural F3 derby. It's the – the reincarnated F3 Derby, um, Central Coast Mariners, not Marinas. I'm sorry. I, it was a bad habit. I don't know if I can break it. Central Coast Mariners versus Jets. Uh, first game of the round as well. Spicy, spicy, spicy game. And there was a there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a shove in there, and I think that got. Airs fired up because she banged in the first goal of the season as well shortly after that. Um, a great cross in and she's just got her bonds on it. And yeah, not a goal I think I typically associate with her, but great to see. And yeah, she was looking really, really good. Must be all the surfing. It's doing her well. So yeah, we we love to see it and we love to see her doing good things after this, this move to the, the Jets. So yeah. 
We absolutely do. We also love to see that Newcastle are in possession of the F3 Derby trophy, the guardrail from the F3 itself. Um, the European mind cannot wrap itself around that kind of football culture. You know what I mean? Um, but no, we absolutely do love to see Molina Ayres fit and scoring goals. But Sam, what did you love to see from this week? Yeah, so we've had two goals, um, but long-time listeners know that I love an assist. I love a good pass. So my love to see it this week was the assist from Alada Janczewski for Hannah Blake in the Adelaide-Canberra game. Uh, Adelaide were 3-2 down just after the hour, and Janczewski picks up the ball on the left wing and sends this unbelievable outside-of-the-foot pass through the back line right into the path of Blake, who just absolutely laces it into the net in order to make it 3-3. It was such a good pass. It was the kind of pass where you watch it and you just like make a kind of like primal noise because you don't really have the words to explain the feeling that it gives you. So yeah, that pass from Janczewski already justifying her move to Adelaide from Perth. We love to see it. It's a really good point because I feel like a lot of Victorians in particular have always kind of had Janczewski earmarked as someone who could do amazing things in the dub but never really got going at Perth. So we absolutely love to see that she is up and running. But um, that game is where we need to start because um, there were lots of good results this round. Just quickly, we had the Jets, like I said, beating the Mariners 1-0. Sydney beat Western Sydney 2-0. Perth beat Western United 2-0. City got a 1-0 win over the Phoenix. Brisbane were upset winners over Melbourne Victory 2-1. But the game we need to start with is Adelaide 4, Canberra 4, because what the goddamn hell is happening there? That is pure, unadulterated dub. Um, so... What what did we witness? What the hell happened at Cooper Stadium? Because it was pure dub insanity. There's three penalties. Three. Like, oh, it was so chaotic. And Vesna Milovojevic could have had a winner in the 97th minute, but she was offside. And it would have been a hat-trick and a winner. And like I thought the place was going to blow up and then the offside flag went and then I thought, oh, my Vesna was going to blow up. Um, and she was offside. Uh, it was chaos. Um, I love the Sam... I gave fair credit to the the pass because there were some pretty decent goals in there. Um, pretty rough day for Annalie Grove. I think she'll uh, not want to watch the highlights of that one. The, yeah. the first goal was rough that um, where Milivojevic sort of charges her down and wins possession and scores into the empty net. That like that was impressive bit of striker work. But um, Michelle the Michelle Heyman goal where she's just let the ball go over her head and I, I wouldn't want to be in a foot race with Michelle Heyman. Uh, definitely not any – I don't think many players in the league full stop, let alone if you're a goalkeeper. Um, so there's a little bit of a disastrous spell for her there. But it's just it, it was just pure unadulterated dub, wasn't it, Sam? Like it, it felt like every time yeah. I – because we were at the victory game, right? So we had it on the screen at the same time because I was um, monitoring both games, obviously. And every time you looked up, you'd be like, oh, my God, someone's about to score. Someone's about to score. <laughs> someone's about to take a penalty. It's just like I felt like it didn't stop. Yeah, it was amazing. It was exactly the kind of game that, like, we like makes you fall in love with the dub. Like, this is exactly, and for some reason, it almost always involves Canberra. I don't understand why it's always Canberra United that that it, it just has these incredible high scoring draws with other teams. Usually Perth, but now it's it seems to have become Adelaide. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, the goalkeeping 
from both sides was a little bit yikes. But so like some of the goals were excellent, you know, like it, it was a really back and forth, really dramatic, really exciting game of football. It's exactly the kind of thing that you want from an opening round. You know, this is the round where I think a lot of these clubs tried like clearly tried to capitalize on kind of the hype from the world cup and from the Matildas, you know, a lot of these games were in the big stadiums. They were at good times. Um, they were being broadcast in, in high quality. So you would really hope that the game, the football itself would be able to kind of live up to all of that energy as well. And this one a hundred percent did. It was so, so fun. Um, and it, it, like both Adelaide and Canberra had opportunities to win it in like the final eight minutes or something. There was like a sequence of, 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 I think two minutes around the 88th minute where Adelaide hit the post and then Canberra came back up the other way and Milavoy, which could could have scored. I think it was Milavoy. I can't remember who it was, but they also could have scored. Like it was just like one of those absolute, everyone just loses their minds and, and goes flat out for it, for the win. And that's great. That's exactly what you want, particularly if you're a new fan, because you're like, oh, my God, this is actually so exciting. I thought that the World Cup was sort of the peak of this kind of chaos, but it turns out that it's here, right here at home in the dub, um, which is great. And a shout out, like, um, Janczewski had a great game. Mm. A number of a number of Adelaide players had a great game, but Vesna Milivojevic, man, like, what a player. She's so good. That second goal, so, so smart. She's so, like, she every decision that she makes on the ball is the right one. Um, she seems really fit this season as well. She seems like really sort of like on her touch, which is really exciting to see. I reckon another season or two like this, and yeah, she'll be she'll be one of the best players in the league for sure. Shame that she's already playing for Serbia, not for the Tillies. Yeah, I know. Uh, she's a star. Um, also, Adelaide could have won it at the death there. I'm not sure who got away on the break, but they went for the shot, and the squaring pass was on, and it could have easily been. Um... Five four Adelaide. It was just chaos. It was just chaos. Uh, um, I know the stands weren't completely full, but I like that they played it at Coopers. I think that was one thing I really liked about this round of uh, of dub generally. Generally, was that the pitches. Look, we know the quality of the pitches. Say the home of the Matildas as well, which is a new venue. They just look good. <laughs> I like that. I like seeing the players playing in good environments. And yeah, I, I, that was one of the things I noticed with the the dub chaos game. So yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting Adelaide to be as um, lively as they were. I think we were pretty down on them in our preview. So if they can have that sort of energy about them and maintain it, then that's pretty exciting. I like as well, so we had someone ask us on Twitter about our preview and how we were kind of curious as to where Adelaide's goals were coming from. And they were basically asking, do we think that this game was a fluke or have Adelaide actually figured out their kind of scoring avenues? I would argue it's the latter because I can only assume that the likes of Ianchevsky, Mariah Lee and uh, Hannah Blake are only going to get better and more cohesive. And then when you bring in your Emily Condens and your Dylan Holmes from midfield, like I have good feelings about what we have seen. Also just on this game, every single penalty was so well taken. It spoke to me so deeply because I love a well taken penalty. Um, everyone's just every- been taking them since the penalty shootout against France. They've had much. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone, <laughs> even dub players are in their backyards doing penalties like Courtney Vine. Hell yeah. For the semi-final, like, you know, that's, that's <laughs> I like to, I choose to believe that that's what they're all doing in their backyards, but it was pure insanity. Um, 
I do think Adelaide will be able to tighten things up defensively because they did not have Marushka Waldis in on the weekend. Canberra, I'm not as certain about their ability to tighten things up at the back. Um, and speaking of the insanity of the 4-4 draw, there was a stat from friend of the pod, Brendan DeCosta, let me find it. Um that was the third four-all draw in A-League women's history, and all three of them have involved Canberra United. The first two were Canberra-Perth games uh, in 2017-18 and 2018-19, and this is the third one. Canberra just has something about it. They simply love a mega-crazy score draw, 4-4 four, four, four draw. Um, but, yeah, it was insane. It really was the peak of the... Uh, the dub essence for anyone who was tuning in for the first time. But I reckon another game that had a little bit of peak dub essence in it was the F3 derby. It was great, as Angela said, to kind of see it reincarnated back better than ever. 5,000 people at Central Coast Stadium as well, which was phenomenal to see. Don't know why the Mariners were wearing their away kit. I would love some answers on that, but that's not important. Angela, you spoke about Melina Ayers' goal, but about the game more generally. What did you see? What did you like? Did you think the Jets are doing something? Do you like what the Mariners are putting up? Just talk to us a little bit about the game. Ah, I forgot to mention earlier, I'm really excited to see Annabelle Martin back. I feel like that's worth mentioning. I I was like the mort for Annabelle Martin back in the day when she was at Victory. So really hope that she can keep on keeping on. Uh, Yeah, it was just a bit of a... it was, I don't know, it, the game didn't seem to get too much of a flow to it because it was just very physical and I don't know, it, it, was, it was fun, but I'm not too sure how much we can take away from it at this point in time. Um, Bryson for, the well, the two red cards as well. I think we should acknowledge that that kind of speaks to the chaos and there was like a bajillion other yellows in there as well but in terms of I think um I really enjoyed seeing MJ Barberi for Jets as well I think she's got something that they can really benefit from in terms of being a more I suppose a a a creative and an attacking midfielder which sometimes they I think that's something that they can really benefit from because they do have a lot of speed they have the likes of Lauren um Lauren Allen um Lara Gooch who got the the great assist for Molina Ayers they do have that power but um yeah in terms of and and that kind of feral in the in the defensive mid but yeah so that was a good get and I was like very thrown off by that because I had no idea that MJ Barberi was um had signed for the Jets but you know that's just round one dub things uh in terms of Mariners they're not looking, you know what, they're not looking too shabby. Uh, I I really had, I didn't have low expectations. I just didn't know what to expect from them. So I think this was a good game to kind of open with for them. Um, yeah, can't really add too much. I don't have too much fancy football. I never have the fancy football chat. But um, Rasmussen looked quite good as well. Yeah, there was a lot to like. Uh, it's just... What will be interesting is if these two teams continue to be spicy because that could be a bit of a liability if it continues. Anyway, yeah, Sam? 
It was I think that's kind of what you want from a. That's what you want from an opening derby, though, right? Like you want a bit beef. of spice. You want a bit of beef. Yeah. Now and now, like because the derby like isn't really. Other. Yeah, because like you can put two teams together and say that this is a derby, but it's the it's the players and the energy of the match that really makes it a derby and that makes people care about it. And I think like this have sort of set the tone for this clash of teams going forward. Like the two red cards from. Faye Bryson and, and Alex Horn just like going at each other. Like that's, you know, you don't like to see violence, but you, you know, you want to see a little bit of passion and you want to see, you know, the, the kind of um, tension that I think gets people really invested in a, a game like this. Um, so, I mean, also shout out to my friends of the pod in my Sydney MPL chat, who I'm pretty sure had Alex Horn getting a red card at like a dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome back to the league, Alex. <laughs> uh, nothing has changed. But yeah, no, like I, I thought um, Newcastle were actually better than what I expected. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the flashes I'm seeing of them being a more, a more, more of a ball playing attacking team. Whereas in the past, you've kind of had Horford long and hope that Sophie Harding is fast enough. And that was really mm. boring. Um, or that, you know, Tara Andrews would get on a header and that's kind of about all they had. But now they've got sort of a combination of players, particularly in midfield, that look like they can actually hold the ball better and and create a little bit better and and be more patient in build up. So, yeah, I think that's great. I think this is a, a good um, a good game to open this derby with, and a good game to to open the the round with as well. You know, it's an inaugural not an inaugural, but returning team in the Central Coast Mariners. Really awesome to see how many fans got out to the stadium as well for that. You know, Fifty seven hundred community. It? Yeah, which is the the biggest for a, a a game there between I think like for either of those teams maybe in the region. Um, yeah, so that was that was fabulous. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that progresses. That that um, that derby. I think I said in the preview as well, um, sort of like that this Newcastle team it might be a little bit moneyball. That Gary Van Egmond worked with quite a few of these players at young Matildas level as well. Melina Rez, Mini Barbieri, um, and obviously there's a few locals up, but players like. Tash Pryor, you mentioned Alex Horn. It's a bit of players that you know can play at the level. And if you can at least tick those boxes, then you can sort of expand from there. And I think you look at players like Ayers is the biggest one there, right? And, and Copas Brown and then to an extent Barbieri. And you look at their ceilings. And I think that's probably where they think the excitement can come from, even a Tash Pryor at centre-back. Um, my question with you guys was, because I thought this was the discussion point on Twitter, was were both second yellows justified? I saw a lot of people say they weren't, but I feel like... If you come rushing in from all the way over there, as both Newcastle centre backs did, yeah, exactly. You know, they came, they came charging in from a fair way off to get involved in the beef. I, I think that's probably where the the line got drawn. I think often referees do the if you're the third player in, because um, I'm not sure if Bryson's was initially partly for the challenge. If so, that was a bit harsh. But the um, yeah, I think Alex was coming steaming in, and I think Tash Pryor might have as well. I think once that extra person comes in, refs are just like, I'm done. <laughs> I got no time for this. So I was curious if you guys you gotta, you gotta settle it down, right? Like it was it was a pretty feisty moment and Fair the referee has to do game, something. Man. Yeah. But you know, it happens. Also it was fun. The biff. Very funny. Yeah. That's we support cool. women's rights and women's wrongs. <laughs> but yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's true. It was, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, a bit like that 
the power walk into the biff and it's like now Keith but um yeah it was just because I didn't quite understand it when I watched it but now that you say it Harrow I'm like yeah okay if you're getting involved from quite a distance that makes sense it's like you didn't you didn't have to be there did you anyway yeah so um, yeah I think she did a good job in terms of like usually you think getting a few early cards it would settle things down though and it did not seem to that's Darby's baby (laughs) It really, truly is. Also, when we post a screenshot of this, it'll make sense, listeners. I can't stop looking at the jerseys in your background, Angela, because it's Cosmo and Wanda from the Fairly Odd Parents. And um, I... Oh, my God, Marissa. I, yeah, it's yes. all my brain exactly can think what it, about. Yes. Um, that will oh make sense when you see your photo, listeners. But let's move on to the other derby from Saturday, which was the Sydney derby, as expected. Sydney got up over Western Sydney. Um, but, Sam, you were at this game. So were you surprised at all by what you saw? And obviously the other thing we have to talk about from this game was Nat Tobin's injury because we did have questions mm. about what Sydney's backline will look like going forward if she is out for a significant period of time, which we obviously hope she is not. But talk to us about this, Darby. Yeah, look, I don't think anyone was surprised um, by the result. If anything, I thought Sydney... Um, would have been better Uh, and maybe that is partly just because of the domino effect of the Tobin injury and and what that did to the back line. Um, Wanderers were, I mean, sort of unsurprisingly looking a little bit rusty and a little bit kind of like unsure of themselves. Like they didn't quite know what they were doing. Um, It took Sydney a good sort of 10-ish, 15-ish minutes to kind of get into their rhythm and get into their flow and figure out what their patterns were and and who needed to go where and, and starting to read each other. Um, thought Fiona Wirtz was excellent. Um, she's a, a really, really important signing for them. Um, and yeah, especially considering Courtney Vine, like as as wonderful as she is and as, um, as much as everyone was screaming her name around the stadium when she came on um, or when she went to, when her name came up on the screen, um, was pretty quiet. Didn't really do a whole heap, kind of similar to last season. Like she wasn't the best player for Sydney FC. Um, and I have a feeling that this might be a similar kind of scenario this season for her. Um, another player who really stood out to me was Kirstie Fenton, uh, who scored the first goal for Sydney. She was unbelievable all game. Um, and it's just a real shame that she had to be pulled back into centre back after that injury to Nat Tobin. Um, Cause I think, yeah, she was incredibly dynamic. She was really, really physical. She was brave on the ball. Every time she had possession, she was willing to dribble with it and willing to take players on, which I really respect in a fullback. Um, yeah, but as for the Wanderers, they didn't really put up much of a fight, particularly not in the first half. I think their only saving grace was, again, when Sydney copped those injuries um, and Wanderers made up like one or two sort of strategic substitutions and they started to sort of get their foot on the ball more, especially in midfield. Beth Gordon came into the game a little bit more. I thought she was really good. Um but they just don't look like they know how to score goals. They, they, they've got the Newcastle problem, like bomb along to Sophie Harding and hope that she's faster than everyone. That's not going to be a, a good tactic going forward because everyone can um, can compensate for that now. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was an okay game. Um, you know, this kind of derby, unfortunately, has always kind of swung in this way. It's never really been the same since the, what was it, the 2019 season where we had Lynn Williams and Denise O'Sullivan, Kara Cootie Cross and... Uh, 
yeah, a couple of really great players for the Wanderers where that actually made it a really good derby, a really competitive derby. It's never mm. really felt like that outside of that one season. I, yeah, I don't expect this um, this derby to be uh, progressing in that direction anytime soon, um, especially considering all the stuff that the Wanderers are dealing with behind the scenes. I just, I, I would like Sydney to be better. I think I expected them to be better and hopefully they'll get a little bit better um, going forward. I think Sydney, and we'll talk about victory in a minute, fall into that category as well, Sam, of the amount of change that you've had, like the amount of rhythm on the ball they got from players like Mackenzie Hawksby and Sarah Hunter. It's going to take time. And I think those teams that have had the turnover are going to be big beneficiaries of the longer season because I noticed it, I'm sure you noticed it with Sydney, but um, victory in particular, not to segue straight in, but look disjointed, um, which I think is very normal for teams that have had a lot of yeah. A lot of turnover. One thing about the Wonder is a bit of excitement around um, Caceres, at least. So I think maybe that's a bright spark in a pretty difficult-looking maybe season for them. We'll see. Um, I like that you mentioned Fenton. I know there was a bit of hype about her last season, but you go like, oh, could she go next level? And that early indication is she's going to be that player from Sydney FC that does, which I think is really exciting. We love a good fullback. Um, but... Um, we did have the question I saw in, not to steal your job, Marissa, I saw in our questions from listeners, how does Sydney FC replace Nat Tobin? Because hopefully it's not the dreaded ACL and it may well be a meniscus, I think is what Ante was hoping post-match. But either way, she's going to be sidelined for some time. Resident Sydney FC expert Sam, who do you shift in there? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think we, Wait, unfortunately, we saw, I mean, we saw, I think, what plan B is um, in in game. You know, I, when Tobin came off, Charlotte McLean suddenly becomes the the major anchor point of that mm. centre-back pairing and you bring in either a Kirsty Fenton or a Tori Tumith into that second centre-back role. Um, but, you know, that's... Uh, it's not ideal, right? Because again, Kirsty Fenton is such a, a good player going forward, and Tori Chemeth, I don't think, has the um, the same sort of game awareness as what Nat Tobin does. You know, you saw a number of um, moments that contrasted between the two halves, where Nat Tobin really um, anticipated what the Wanderers were doing, and even though she's not the fastest player, she's so smart when she reads the game, and she's able to position herself and make runs and. Um, make the right decision in in the pressure moment, whereas I don't think either of the replacement centre-backs after she went off were able to do the same kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so I'm I'm not really sure what he's going to do going forward, especially if it's an ACL, because um, that'll be really that'll be really devastating for Sydney, not just because she's an excellent player, but she's their captain as well. You know, she's been there for such Can't a long tell. time. She's such an important player on the field. She's such a big leader. Um, and yeah, um, it'll be curious to know who that responsibility falls to. You know, um, Tobin handed the captain's armband to Princess Sabini when she went off and she was the the captain for the rest of the game. Um, so it'll be, yeah, interesting to see who sort of steps up into that leadership role. Um, I'd personally really like to see Charlotte McLean actually take this opportunity with both hands. Cause I think she has a much higher ceiling maybe than what she realizes, I think she could be a really, really good player. I think she could be one of the best centre-backs in the league um, if she isn't already, and maybe this will be the the making of her. Yeah, like the leader. She's already very good, but, like, it takes another level to be the one that's marshalling the defence, right, Sam? Yeah, so she reminds yeah. me of Claire Hunt almost, like a like a, a lesser sort of like two seasons ago kind of Claire Hunt. Like she's got sort of the the smarts. She's got the mm. – she's very graceful almost when she defends, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, she just kind of needs like that extra layer of challenge, I think, to really push her into 
a new um, a new element of of her game. Good, aren't I trainer? I yeah. I suppose you have to kind of make these decisions now if it is in preparation for if it is a long injury. But even like a defensive mid like Holman or Ray to do that more like creative distribution work. And I guess as well what you were saying, Sam, about Tobin's like smarts in, in being able to cover. I don't know. Um, Could be yeah, an injury replacement signing coming up as well. Sydney are one of the teams that has the resources to do that if they need to to plug a gap. We yeah, shall see. Point. Yeah. And I don't think personally, I don't think either Shay Holman or Taylor Ray are able to do that they're they're yeah they're too small they're too they're too slow off the mark like they're they're excellent ball players but they don't I I don't quite think that they have the kind of cleanup ability like it's it's a weird thing to say but the cleanup abilities like I think that's yeah they're not they're not quite the right fit and to to be able to retrain them so quickly in that kind of way I don't I don't think is possible I think you know a good example of like an attempt of doing that and I I would argue failing is Grace Ma, um, turning Grace Ma, ball playing central midfielder into a centre back. I don't really think that has that didn't work for Canberra and I don't really think it's worked for uh, for Western. So yeah. I'm sceptical about it too, Sam. Uh, I get extra sceptical when I see Western lacking creativity in midfield. Um when your sort of workhorses the Tarantos are and Emma Robers, but when I'm Looking one at the, they obviously had Sydney Cummings at centre back last year. He was a, he was a huge recruit for him, but then at the same time you look at the midfield and where's the spark coming from? Where's the where's the player that can unlock um, defences? And I I think Grace Mara is that player, but we shall see that um, they've seemed pretty confident that that um, partnership with Alana Chen will come through. But yeah, I have I have my doubts over it as well, and I think um, we saw a little bit of that against Perth the other night. We will find out. Just yeah, go for it. Sorry, just something very silly. Just before we move on, um, did anyone else get Tori Tumith and Courtney Vine mixed up? Tumith has re- with the hair returned oh my God. Yes. to her redheaded roots and gone for the low pony as well. And I, was, I did not recognize her. I was like, but yeah. Anyway, and in the team pick, they're next to each other as well. It was just like an interesting, huh? But you know what? If Courtney Vine is inspiring rangers to own their ranginess. I'm all for that. You know, I support that. The the Courtney Vine effect felt in more ways than one is what I'm hearing. Yeah, taking penalties uh, and throwing out the bottle dye. <laughs> Hairdressers around the country rejoice. No more rangers doing box black dye, black box dye. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough of hairdresser hour. You mentioned that like Perth Western, I reckon that can be considered an upset, but we're going to focus on the other I think fair to say upset of the round, which was Brisbane beating Melbourne victory 2-1 because all of the conversation kind of was that this victory team, at least on paper, looks like it absolutely should be challenging for titles once again. Brisbane, for lack of any sort of words. So was this... I suppose what's the question here? Like, do we see this was just a blip in the road for victory? Is this the beginning of a really good season for Brisbane Raw? What actually did we learn from this game, keeping in mind that it was the first round of a 22-round season? Based on Jeff Hopkins' reaction, it's either a blip in the road that they need to fix quickly or it's a really, really concerning loss. Um, I'd be inclined to go with the former. Um, It's a long season, as I mentioned before when talking about Sydney, bit of disjointedness. Um, I think they'll get Elise Callan Knight back in 
next week or two, and I think they can really use her. They need someone to just chill things out in midfield um, to sort out the tempo in there. Um, but, yeah, Jeff was not happy when we spoke to him post-match. Basically said that there were some basic football principles they didn't get right. I think if you look at both Brisbane goals, but especially the Jenna McCormick header off a set piece or a free kick, you should be – with the quality of defenders they've got there, they should be batting that one away pretty comfortably. Um, yeah, I think they're a bit filthy. Uh, they didn't vary some chances early on. Um, those playing at home, they obviously had thought they had an equaliser through um, Wiener, who added a lot. Um, Mackenzie Winnett, she added like heaps of um, spark. She takes players on, she's very direct. Um, could have scored. It was I think it was Rachel Lowe who was offside and, and obstructed the keeper's vision for that one, which is why I got chalked off. But, yeah, I, I think it was a pretty concerning one. I, I don't want to say anything like they rocked up expecting to win. I mean, they would have gone in favourites. Um, but I think the first Brisbane goal was very much against the run of play. It felt like victory were turning the screws at that point and really did have the ascendancy. They'd had some good chances. They hadn't buried them. Credit to Brisbane. That goal was fantastic. Um, and I think Jenna McCormick also deserves a lot of credit for the way she played yesterday. She was a stand-in captain because Aisha Nori injured her ankle during the week. Um, they're hoping to have her back next week. Um but she defended really strongly. She didn't really give an inch. She had a couple of, like, full-blown hip and shoulders that cleaned a couple of players up as well um, and a pinpoint header um, that she scored as well to all but wrap it up. Um, I think the one positive for Victory is you had um, Ella O'Grady come on and, and score, a really exciting young player. I think that's something that they missed last year. I felt like when we watched them last year, if they had to go to the bench, you never really had any confidence that something was going to come from it. Um, whereas that's that's quite an exciting position to be in. But, yeah, I think Brisbane deserve a lot of credit. They um, saw out the, the way of victory attacks, two really, really good finishes for their goals, and they defended the lead well. Um, I don't know if that means that they're going to be playing finals. I don't know what that actually means, but they, they played really well. They're a good unit. I mentioned earlier, Sean Frey was really exciting um, down the left. Victory just had no answers for her pace. Um, she just bombed on over and over again. Um, and, yeah, it, it's exciting. I, I like to see an upset. Um, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about victory. I think that's one of those ones you make a few tweaks and you sort it out. I'm con- I, my main concern is if they are a bit toothless, okay, it might take some time to warm up to the level, and that's, I think, what we need to see. And I don't think we'll see Emily Gilling for at least a couple of weeks, at least till after the international break, um, but she could add a lot to them. Sam? Yeah, I wanted to uh, give kudos to Sean Fryer as well. Wow, like where'd she come from? Holy crap, that was such a good like Jim, Jim. ripper game. Yeah, incredible. Like I, I, we all sort of knew that she was one of the standouts in Queensland NPL, but she'd never really, maybe either never really give, been given a look in, but never really taken opportunities for Brisbane when she was given them. But this was absolutely a game where she was like, you know what, this is what I can actually do. And yeah, she was sensational. Melbourne Victory struggled to contain her all game down that left side. Um, She was pacey. She was physical, really technical as well. She's got really good close ball skills, which I really respect. Um, Has a great left foot. Like, yeah, she's absolutely ripper. Like that's what a great opening game for, for her. I hope we see more of her. And I thought Holly Palmer was also very good. Um, another really important player for Brisbane, I think, going forward. Um, she's a really like a really nice sort of settled kind of midfielder, which I really like. Um, even though she looks like she's five years old, you know, that's she has a sort of maturity about a game that I really respect. Yeah, what I like about Brisbane is that like they've kind of like thrown a whole bunch of newbies together, and uh, but they seem to have 
clicked already in some ways, um, which is really exciting because it suggests that they're only going to get better, right? And I think that's maybe something that Victory haven't quite done yet. Maybe they're a few weeks away from that and, and potentially missing a whole bunch of big players um, and, and players who had already developed quite a bit of chemistry together over the past few seasons. Maybe that's kind of one of the, the biggest structural pitfalls for them at the moment. Um, it's just a bit of a bummer that that was the that was the game to sort of open the new home of Matilda's facility as well. You know, like that was I, the you know, we can talk about the broadcast stuff as well, but filming it from the the stand, the grandstand side, where you weren't able to see any of the the the, the people who came in because there were a lot of questions that I was getting online um, about the capacity of the home of Matilda's and what's going to happen if people are like locked out or whatever. Like, what was the ticket situation? What was the what was the capacity situation? Um, but then on the broadcast, it was it was looking out over the hill where there was like five people, so that, that looked a bit lame. And it was um, pissing down rain and weather. Yeah, it wasn't helped people by the crappy weather. Around. You kind of yeah, and you like you had a there was a, a, a particular shot um, across I think to the right side of the field behind the goal where it was just like a big empty like lake looking thing. Like it didn't it didn't look great, you know. And so for for this kind of considering how much money they've they've pumped into this place and and how hyped this game was. It was just, yeah, I was just a bit bummed that that was how it looked on the telly. I think that's one where they're going to have to just take the L and sort out. I think there's probably some electrical things to sort out, but get the situation where you have the scaffold up on the hill so you can film to have the stands. Because yeah. when you look at even Victory's photos where the players are walking out and you've got everyone with the scarves in the stands doing Stand By Me, I thought that looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Like the vibe seemed great, and like some of you were there, right? I think Marissa. Yeah, we were there. You were both. Yeah, you're all, all three of you were, were there. Full, and the thing was, because it was smashing down rain, people were on the hill, and then they came around and went into the stands to get out of the rain, right? So I think the hill will fill up a fair bit once you get the um, you get the, the sun. And I was talking about this with a couple of people in the box, and Angela noticed it. The the Aperol spritz situation. I quite like that they had those sorts of stands there because it made it feel like an adult event. It wasn't just there are chips and lollies here because this is about inspiring five-year-old girls. Like it was making an event that people want to be at. And, yeah, I, I quite liked that. And we'll, we'll talk about the crowds in a bit. But, um, yeah, I agree, Sam. They need to fix the broadcaster. That's what I would do. Have it on the other side um, because otherwise it's a nice little venue. It was packed. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of promise there. But you've got to show people that it's good. Do we move on to a very brief City Wellington? We know you want to talk about Holly Mack. No, I actually, it's not even about Holly Mack because it's a given that she's going to be a good player, right? It's I a actually little bit about to Holly shout Mack. out a little bit. But it's more about Wellington. I was super impressed watching them yesterday. I think when we were doing our preseason questions, it was like, can they get off the bottom of the ladder? They've had three coaches in three seasons. And credit to what Paul Temple was doing so far because I thought they looked awesome. They were playing really exciting football. Um, they had um, it's Mayana Elliott, who's the teenager, who was just giving City all sorts of headaches in the first half. Um, yeah, they I thought they were really good value. They really tested City. Um, I thought it raised a few little question marks about Melbourne City, albeit it's round one. Um, I didn't think they closed out the game that well. Considered Caitlin Carrot should have scored for one thing, but when the game was, you know, there's a couple of minutes of extra time, you're playing away from home. It was shockingly windy conditions, so credit to both teams for, for getting through that. But City, I think, will look at that game and be like, geez, we got away with one because um, 
on another day we easily could have shipped a goal when you know they were doing things like there's a minute left and they're taking pot shots at goal and you should be running to the corner and stuff like that it, it felt a little bit chaotic in that sense um but yeah I I really like the way that the Knicks went about it I really like um Taylor and Barry as a centre-back combination um Foster made a few good saves the the new keeper when she was it was her first game in like 700 days or something after being involved in a in a car crash, I, I just thought they were a really good value and um, they opened up City a few times um, and we saw some glimpses in their first season of some good attacking football, but I really liked what we saw um, yesterday and I felt like they were a bit more defensively sound and that came through. They managed to blunt that City attack for most of the game. Um, but, of course, yes, Holly McNamara, who had a day out, was clearly the best player on the field, was just getting kicked all day. Um, but if she can get her shooting boots on, she can score so many goals because she just gave them an absolute nightmare um, down the flank. They didn't have answers for her. She was quick, skillful. Like, we know what sort of player she is. And I think I mentioned preseason that the type of player that just needs to get a full season under her belt given her injury history. But if she carries on the way that she started yesterday, she's got to be a contender for the, for you know, award season, like Julie Dollar medal, those sorts of things, because she just is on another level and she takes that city attack up another up another level um i did feel for the new zealand commentators a little bit and that they just had to basically talk about hannah wilkinson and rebecca Stott as fellow kiwis kind of bringing them undone a bit um but yeah it was kind of very much a job done for city i felt wellington though i'm really excited about them i feel like they can actually do some damage this year if they keep playing like they did um yeah speckmeyer as well the venezuelan off the bench was um, exciting. Grace Vineski, we know what she can do. She came off the bench and excited as well. So, yeah, there's some positive signs about the Knicks. That's, that was my take, you guys. And I loved it. I feel like Wellington were playing how they usually play in the second half of seasons once they've kind of got a bit of steam under them. Um, so really excited that they seem to be producing that stuff right off the bat. Um, quick boot. It's Nat Tobin's injury. Knees. Get well soon, Nat. Yeah, genuinely. (laughs) Like, we really, really hope that it turns into one of those, she's only gone for a month or something like that because that would be bloody ideal. So knees in general, curse you, big boot. Um, But how good? I feel like there's a pretty obvious how good from this round. So who would like to talk about the record-breaking attendances we saw across the round? Yeah, look, I was at the biggest of the lot. I was at the the Sydney Derby, over 11,000 people, a new record for a home domestic football, women's uh, women's football game. And you could feel it. Like the, the vibes at the, the Sydney Football Stadium were immaculate. Um, there were so many people wearing Matilda's jerseys, so many people wearing Sydney FC women's jerseys. You know, in the past, you would rock up to these games and see people sort of transferring their men's jerseys into this context. But these were like specific women's women's jerseys, which was great to see. Coming into the stadium, uh, the, the Sydney FC players who weren't on the team sheet were uh, sat along a long signing table. So there was a huge line of, of people getting their signatures by all the other Sydney players. Um, stadium was great. The, the, the food and like the beverages were, were on offer were, were really good. Um, and what was really lovely to see was that, that like, yes, there, obviously there were going to be heaps of little girls who were there and, oh my God, Courtney Vine, isn't that amazing? 
what I loved seeing more actually was all the little boys. We had um, I was sitting on on the opposite side of the stand from the um, the broadcast, and we had sort of a, a group of young boys who were hanging over the fence railings on the side where Courtney Vine was in the second half. And every time she touched the ball, they were like, "Oh my god!" And when the when like a ball came out, like a, a, it sort of it clung off Courtney Vine and, and came into the crowd, they were like trying to wrestle each other to get the ball that she touched. You know, like. It was amazing. One of them was wearing a Courtney Vine jersey. So it was like, it was just one of those moments where it, it makes you realize that the kind of thing that we experienced at the World Cup with the Matildas has done something really powerful to a generation of young men, you know? And when we think about the bigger project of gender equality, of inclusion, of diversity, of trying to push sport into this new era where the women's game is really respected. That was the kind of event that that kickstarts that for a whole generation of boys because they're ultimately the ones that hold the keys to the castle, right? And so for them to be able to look across the pitch and see their hero, Courtney Vine, doesn't matter that she's a woman. It matters that she's Courtney Vine and she's a Matilda and she scored in the World Cup. That's the thing that they remember. Um, so that was really great. And it was also just really nice, like, sitting in the stands and being a fan for a bit. Nothing it up. Bruce game. Early in the morning, yeah. And so I didn't have to work at the game. So I was just like in the stands surrounded by all these cool people, lots of queers, lots of young women, lots of um, mums with kids, lots of like just chill out families who were having a really great time. Like the vibes were were really great. There was no violence. Um, shout out to to the two active ends from the Wanderers and Sydney FC. Both of them showed up um, from the Cove and the red and black block and they were loud all game. They had flags. They were, they were chanting, they were clapping, trying to get the crowd involved. You know, that was really good. It was, it was one of the best Sydney derbies I've been to in terms of atmosphere. Um, and they were well rewarded Sydney FC for their marketing efforts. Um, and the APL more generally were rewarded for all those efforts they put into, to marketing this game, making the tickets really accessible, really affordable, um, making everything really easy, like getting to and from the stadium was really easy. Everything was within reach. Yeah, it was it was just fabulous to be there. I think what both um, seeing the crowd, as I mentioned, that were in those stands at the home of the Matildas. Also, credit to the Wellington fans, super noisy. Uh, credit to the 5,700-odd who went to the F3 derby. Um, but seeing, I think, the the full stands and that sort of thing, I think Victory only had a few hundred with the main big attendance last year was their biggest attendance. This must have at least broken a couple thousand. Um, but what the coaches both said was this is what the players deserve. This is what they deserve. Um, they all value yeah. them that highly and it's just good to see other people coming along for the ride. And as you say, Sam, there's men, you know, in their 20s and 30s as well at the at the Victory game. There's people from all walks of life just enjoying it and getting around the dub. Uh, long may it continue. How good? How good? That's a really good segue for just a quick question we had from friend of the pod, um, Paletti, who I think maybe shared a fear that many of us would have. Obviously, I think we all maybe expected a round one boom because it was round one novelty. The glow of the World Cup is still recent enough for it to make sense and transfer easily. They asked, do we expect this to continue or are we all kind of terrified that everyone's going to go away and we're going to go back to like sub 500 crowds? Um, it, it's I understand it's a big question and we've only got uh, one round of evidence behind us, but how are we feeling about how we actually maintain these crowds at tough games? My feeling is if 
uh, people see crowds like they did for that Sydney FC game. The players keep producing what they have been on the pitch um, and the league continues to play ball in terms of good kickoff times and is logical, then the crowds will continue to come because they know it's a good product and it's fun and they've enjoyed it. And the evidence of one round is if you missed out last time, why wouldn't you come next time? Um, and more teams are yet to have home games. So I think there's reason. We're often pessimistic in Australian football, but I think we should be optimistic that this is going to continue. Um, and it's just on those who have the power to, you know, the APL, for example, to make sure that the fixtures happen right and gather the momentum that they continue to do that. And I think we'll just have to have some good faith that that is going to happen. Um, because if you had a great time, if you're one of 11,000 people that had a great time in Sydney the other day, um, then why would you say no to going back for more, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's my thing as well, Harry. Like the onus really is on the APL and on the clubs to continue to push this forward and to use however many millions of dollars they've got from all of these different sponsorships and partnerships and whatever and funnel it all into marketing because visibility is the most important thing right now. Like we've seen the effect of that marketing campaign for the opening round. We've seen the use of all the Matildas as the faces of all these different clubs. And like, it's clearly worked. Like it's, it's a pretty simple equation, right? If you invest money in, in marketing and promoting these games, more and more people are going to hear about it. More and more people are going to want to come along because they know who these players are. And we've seen the, you know, the, the biggest round of dub ever already in the first round. I think naturally we'll see a bit of a drop off because people wanted to come to the first one and derbies always draw a little bit bigger crowds um, naturally in both men's and women's than, than they do regular season games otherwise. Um, but I like, I'm, I'm really confident that this is going to be the most attended dub season ever um, because there are so many people who have been captured by the Matildas and they've now seen, you know, not just the Matildas and, but they've, they've seen everyone else. And that's what's so important about this competition. And that was what was so important about this first round as well. Like, yeah, you saw some of the superstars, but you saw some other superstars that maybe you weren't expecting. And those are the players that I think are going to keep people coming back. So it really is so, so crucial that the clubs continue to invest in the marketing side of this thing, find new narratives to drive, find new players to promote and to platform and ensure that you're hitting all the right areas in terms of what people are consuming make sure that you're advertising on tiktok make sure that you're putting stuff up on you know bus shelters make sure that you've like you've got your brand in all the places where you want your target markets to see them because i think in the past there hasn't really been that understanding um, particularly not in the digital space but now like i've i've seen much more marketing in the last couple of weeks than i have for a long time mm, me too We've seen, you know, and we've we've seen the result of that in terms of the attendances in the first round. So hopefully that continues. Also, we'll play we'll play two rounds of dub, and then there should be the bump of the Olympic qualifiers international break to help with crowds. Yep. Hopefully, that gives another little spike. So happy days is my opinion, Paletti. Thank you for your question. Be positive. Back the dub. We're trying. The naturally pessimistic among us are trying to be positive, but no. I think that is us done for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your questions. Remember to get them into us on a Sunday night so we can 
try to get as many of them as we can into a Monday morning pod. As always, though, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see ya. Thank you.